Sup freaks, it's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. Matt Adele and I sat down with Ben Kaufman, a young stud out of Israel, working on the Spectre Wallet. That's what we talked about, the Spectre Wallet, shit posting, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, the future is bright. The youths are all right. At least some of them are. Ben is, at least. Uh, this episode is brought to you by good friends at the motherfucking K. Cash App. Cash App. Cash App's helping you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, and sell sats, if you so please. We're saying sats, 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 because you make sats a standard. What the hell are sats? Some of you new freaks may be asking. Well, sats is short for Satoshis. And Satoshis are the smallest denomination of a Bitcoin. One Bitcoin can be broken up into 100 million Satoshis. So instead of buying a fraction of a Bitcoin... We're stacking sats, whole sats, tens of sats, hundreds of sats, thousands of sats, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions if you're a baller. And Cash App makes that very easy. On top of that, you can stack slivers of stonks if you so please. If you're into the stonk market, Cash App investing is allowing you to buy as little as $1 of a stonk. Because all this is connected to your bank account, there's no four to five day waiting periods. You can start stacking today. Uh, Cash App may even be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers for you freaks so you can get your paychecks direct deposited into the app, start stacking sats immediately. Uh, little Birdie told me there's going to be a new way to stack sats on the app too. Look out for it. It may have something to do with their their boost program, which allows you to go to partner merchants and save a little bit of money. Um, on top of that, you can DCA into sats if you want to, dollar cost average. Uh, set it and forget it daily, weekly, bi-weekly. I don't know where Matt Odell front-running time is at this point, but just just set up the, the DCA and try to front-run them. We're just throwing darts at the wall at this point. Uh, the last I heard was like 4.30 a.m. East Coast time. So um, good luck to anybody trying to, to pinpoint that time. All right. Use the code StackingSats when you download the Cash App. Uh, you're going to get $10, and $10 going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Woo! Download the Cash App and enjoy this episode with Ben Kaufman. Again, a young, young thug, a young stud. You decide. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here. Friday afternoon, ending the week. I think it's going to be a fun podcast. Matt, what do you think? Hyped for this one. Yeah. We've been uh, talking about this product for, for quite some time on RHR. Uh, it's about time we got somebody who's actually working on this project on the podcast. Matt has described it as uh, the best all-in-one all node multi-sig wallet Bitcoin home base that he's encountered in quite a while. We're sitting down with Ben Kaufman, uh, unlicensed programmer working on likely illegal technology in the form of Spectre. Ben, welcome to the podcast. 
yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, I know it's uh, a bit late there in Israel, uh, but I'm really excited to talk. Uh, again, we've been talking about what you've been working on for quite some time. Uh, we just mentioned before we hit record that you, you set a personal goal for yourself in September to have a Spectre as a user-friendly option for people looking to run a node and set up multi-sig wallets and basically have uh, control and confidence in their stash of sats. Um, so before we get into Spectre, what it is, how it works, what you guys plan on building in the future, let's learn about you a little bit. How did you get into Bitcoin uh, first and then what led you towards working on Spectre specifically? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So I started with Bitcoin around uh, early 2017, late 16, something like that. Um, just heard about it from, from a friend who wanted to ask some uh, technical question. Knew as I was a developer, so wanted to ask maybe I know something about that. Uh, so that kind of got me curious. Um, just and then it just going through through the usual rabbit hole um, journey. So starting to to rebuild about it for like a few weeks, pretty much nonstop. Uh, then just uh, then obviously going also into shit coins stuff like that for some time getting out of it and uh yeah so so it's kind of like the usual story i guess yeah the cycle everybody goes through it what uh what type of development were you doing before you got into bitcoin yeah so i was working mostly uh mobile development i was doing pretty much everything uh, as just as freelancer um but mostly mobile development okay cool and what what was the impetus for you to be like, all right, I want to start building stuff for Bitcoin. Um, I want to start working on Spectre wallets specifically. Have you worked on anything before Spectre? Um, so nothing much in Bitcoin. I, I did uh, a few contributions to, to BISC, uh, which was nice um, for that. And maybe, I don't know, maybe something minor here and there, but nothing really specifically. I uh, just yeah just wrote a couple of articles uh, more about economics with with Bitcoin, um, and then just around um, around February maybe March, I just uh, you know I just stumbled upon Spectre uh, just from from Twitter, I uh, saw a video of of Stepan making a multisig with it, and it was just so awesome I had to try it myself, and I just tried it and just was blown away by how how easy it was compared to using Electrum or, or something like that. Um, so then I was just, yeah, I, I had to, to use that for myself. I started playing with immediately and uh, just, you know, just sold a few things that I would wish to, to improve from myself. So like labeling of, of UTXOs, uh, management also of UTXOs, um, uh, address, avoiding address reuse. So, all, all kinds of, of basic stuff that I really wanted for, for myself there. Uh, and then I just started like implementing this, uh, making small uh, contributions to, to the project. And from then it just basically uh, escalated to where it is today. <laughs> and it's, again, it's Matt O'Dell's, one of his favorite, uh, one of his favorite projects in the space. So it's escalated to a good spot if that's a, it's a barometer for success. It's more than that. I fucking use it all the time. It's fucking fantastic, dude. 
you, yeah. you guys really built something great over there. I mean, you, you mentioned Electrum. Like, it's it, it, to anyone who's ever used Electrum, it's just such a huge step forward. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. That's that's why I loved it when when I first used it. And so I guess yeah. Again, like I said before, we hit record. Let's try and explain it like it's five. Like I'm five for for the freaks. Like why is Spectre better than Electrum? Like what are you guys doing differently than Electrum that makes it easier to use and, and less clunky? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the the first uh, the main difference in in the architecture is that we connect directly to to the Bitcoin core node. Uh, so I'm not going for an Electrum server or something like that. So Electrum, the architecture is that uh, people are running Electrum servers, uh, either Electrum X, ElectorX, whatever. Uh, and people either connect to remote servers and are just trusting them, or they can set up their own uh, Electrum personal server or whatever and use that. And Inspector, what, uh, what we did is that we have uh, the Bitcoin core itself, and we just connect to it, and we use it directly. So we don't, um, you, you have to, like the disadvantage, I would say, is that you have to run your own node, but the advantage is that uh, you use your own node, uh, which is awesome. So this is like the, the first main difference, I'd say. Um, besides, I think uh, the, the user interface is quite nicer, at least personally. I'd say it's it's much nicer with with Spectre, um, and yeah, that's that's like the the main differences. I think also with Spectre we are more um, I would say agile, so we are moving uh, quite faster. I'd say with with updates, with changes. Um, so yeah, I think these are the the main differences. The just to be clear here for the freaks, like the game changer here is. You, you were always able, with Electrum, the default was to connect to someone else's node, these professional hosted uh, Electrum nodes that you don't know who's you're connecting to. Um, but you were able to use your own node. And by using your own node, instead of connecting to the Bitcoin network through someone else's node who can see all your transactions, um, you connect with your own. Uh, with Electrum, that was always the way more difficult option. But with, with Spectre, you simply just install Bitcoin Core on the same exact computer as Spectre, and it just automatically does everything. It just it just works. So, I guess with that being said, like, how does the hardware component of this come in? So, when you when you say connect to your node, uh, what do you recommend an individual user run their node on? They just download on their their laptop, SSH yeah. into that. It really, it really doesn't matter, I guess. So obviously, it's better to run a non-pruned node rather than a pruned one. But the diff- it doesn't matter that much. So it's infinitely better to run a pruned node than to not run a node uh, at all. So and with pruned node, you can do this practically everywhere. So we have even a user running uh, Spectre and the Bitcoin Core node on uh, on a Pine phone. So just everything on on a phone, basically. Uh, you, you can do, you can run it pretty much ev- anywhere. Um, personally, I have it on my computer, um, on my laptop, basically that I take everywhere. Um, I also have it on a desktop at home. Um, I know a lot of people find uh, Umbrella or MyNode 
uh, grass pipe blades, all these solutions are pretty convenient. And also I played with them, I think they're great. Uh, but yeah, it, I think it really doesn't matter as long as you just do it. Uh, there are so many options. Yeah, and just like you have node options, you can sort of pick and choose where you want to run your node. What I really like about Spectre particularly is that you guys are building the hardware component of it with off-the-shelf parts, um, which just allows individuals to, to go on Amazon or wherever they buy these computer parts, connect them together, and, and have this this device ready to go, which uh, is a significant decrease in the supply chain risks that a lot of people talk about a lot when it comes to Bitcoin dedicated hardware. Um, so that was one thing I really liked when Moritz was at Bitcoin 2019 and he was just, he just like was carrying around a specter wallet in his backpack and just like taking it apart and like, yeah, you can buy these parts online and connect them together afterwards. Um, which is really cool to me. And so just to dive into that, like what is necessary off the shelf and, and what are the advantages to allowing individuals to, to build uh, a specter wallet in this fashion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is uh, another project which may be confusingly also called uh, Spectre, which is also under this... Uh, crypto um, Advance. Yeah, under Crypto Advance. Uh, so there is Spectre Desktop, which is the uh, software wallet. Uh, there is the hardware project, which is Spectre DIY, uh, which is awesome, really awesome by itself. Uh, it just uh, takes a few a few uh, off-the-shelf parts, uh, just a developer board, uh, a QR code scanner, and you can use uh, battery, uh, like whatever battery you want. Uh, you can add, uh, now we just uh, launched this, um, uh, this extra uh, shells with, uh, with uh, the card readers. So there is also, so this is less DIY-ish, but uh, allows a secure element. This is really uh, cool. Let's, let's dive into the card reader specifically, mm -hmm. right? So why did you guys decide to add that component and like, how does it help? Uh, again, you just mentioned the secure element there, but it's, you never think that you'd like put a card reader on, on a, on a Bitcoin hardware device and help it add security. I think that that particular piece of the puzzle is extremely cool. Yeah, I think so. Stepan is, is thinking all that is like the, the mad genius scientist there. And he came up with, with the idea basically of just using this, uh, these cards to, to do that. So it's also, it, I guess the advantages are that it's uh, very like uh, composable. So you can either add that or you don't add that, whatever you want. Um, it's very convenient, so you can master it. So as like whatever McDonald's membership card or whatever you want. So you, you can carry it everywhere in your wallet um, as some McDonald's card, I don't know, airline card, whatever. You can print on that. And it's it's basically a secure element like uh, like any other hardware wallet uses. Um, I, maybe if it's interesting, so it's that the secure element is closed source because all secure elements are closed source. Uh, the applets which we're using for it are open source. Um, but the environment when, where it runs, so the secure element itself, is closed source. Uh, 
but you can get these uh, these cards, the, the cards themselves you can get from everywhere. Uh, it's again, it's off the shelf thing that you can just buy. Uh, the card reader specifically is uh, to connect it with this uh, developer's kit, uh, the, the, the board basically. Uh, you need uh, this special card reader uh, that uh, we, we just uh, launched. So the problem is just that nobody really, not a lot of people use this developer board anyway. So making the card reader wasn't needed by anybody. So nobody did that before for, for off the shelf. So uh, this is something we had to do ourselves. Um, but this essentially just gives you the security, the added security of, of a secure element, uh, if that's what you want. Um, we've basically something which is, uh, uh, we've just uh, something which can be completely separated from the hardware wallet. So if you want, you can just split it to a hardware wallet somewhere and the card somewhere else, uh, or the card carried with you and the, uh, the wallet itself locked somewhere or whatever you want. And yeah, and it, it gives you pretty great, um, at least allegedly because the card is closed, source, but pretty great uh, security, physical security. Um, yeah, and with, with the benefits of still uh, doing all the rest of the stuff uh, from off the shelf components if you want. Yeah. It's crazy, and you mentioned the um, the QR code scanner too is a is a critical piece of of that hardware stack. Um, and we talk about PSBT a lot here too. I'm I'm sort of ignorant to this. Is is the hardware PSBT only air gapped? Uh, yeah, so the, it it works with with PSBT standard. So PSBT is just uh, the fancy name for how you uh, try for like a standard of. Bitcoin part of Bitcoin uh, transactions. Uh, so it's really, really simple. It's just a Bitcoin transaction in a standardized format, which everybody is supposed to work with. Um, currently, uh, Spectre DAY works with it, Cold Card, uh, Kobo, uh, Ledger, and Trezor don't work with it directly. But there is this tool uh, of uh, written by Andrew Chaw, HWI, so uh, this hardware wallet interface which kind of translates PSBTs to a format which even they can uh, can work with. So there is... Hmm? No, yeah. go ahead. No, so you have basically full compatibility uh, with PSBT and all, all the wallets uh, in the market. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to mention it earlier this year when... Was it Trezor who, who pushed an upgrade that sort of borked the HWI and pissed Andrew Chow off. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, really nice, something annoying. So there was this. I, I'm pretty sure it was Trezor which made the the upgrade first. So with uh, the problem is that with Stagwit, uh, you don't know that you, you could send transactions without uh, the the full um, the, the full inputs, the full uh, um, input transactions. And basically, then you couldn't verify the uh, the amount of the change uh, sent on the uh, on the device itself. So, uh, let me see if I can explain it more simply. 
So what, what you could do is that you could trick the hardware wallet to sign two transactions. Uh, if, if you try like two times, uh, the hardware wallet could sign transaction, which in one time uh, signs for one input. So let's say you have two inputs for a transaction. Uh, if you sign them, to, uh, the, you could, uh, an attacker could basically send to the hardware wallet the transaction once with a, a valid uh, output for for one of the inputs and um, a change which is uh, which is invalid basically uh, send it a second time with uh, with and just switch that um, to it's hard to just hard to explain a bit but uh, we you basically could trick the hardware wallet to send a transaction with invalid uh, change amount uh, and Trezor to fix that, they just required, okay, now you have to send the full transaction uh, data. So all the inputs data, you have to send it to the wallet itself, which is uh, just super large and um, it just wasn't standardized. And Core also uh, had an issue with that. Uh, in the so it was possible with the PSBT format, but not in the form which Core did it. So it, it was a whole mess, kind of, and it still a bit is. Um, but yeah, that's that's another story. And then yeah. there's, there's a whole other quirk uh, that we're seeing with the Treasure One wallets, right? Uh, because of the passphrase vulnerability, so it creates a yes, yes. user experience there. Yeah, so I think it was shipped crypto, right? Uh, the Bitbox guys, which, which <laughs> discovered that. So that uh, what what an attacker could do is that the uh, while the device was connected and passphrase was enabled, uh, the attacker could set the passphrase to whatever it wants without the user knowing that. Uh, so basically, it could just completely change change the wallet without the user even knowing about uh, this change, uh, and then it could ransom the user uh, for for the money. So. Uh, he could trick the user into sending to an address which technically belongs to him, but which he can't access without the attacker, uh, which would create a ransom situation. Uh, and what happens now is that the Trezor 1 uh, requires you to enter the, the passphrase every time you, you do an operation there, uh, at least with HWI. So you have to manually confirm on the device that you want to use uh, this, the uh, such and such uh, passphrase for every operation, uh, for every key extraction, for everything, uh, puppy extraction. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, so just so I understand this correctly, you have a Trezor hardware wallet, you have an XPUB, and a hacker could get into the wallet, potentially create a passphrase on another XPUB, trick you to sending your coins to an address with that XPUB, and then force you to put your seed phrase in, and they have the passphrase that would allow you to move the coins. No? Yeah, so for example, I would give an example if Spectre was, was malicious, for example. So we would uh, show you this uh, an address, which technically, a receiving address, which technically belongs to your wallet, uh, but it has also it is also locked with a certain passphrase so it is mm -hmm. your uh, wallet with an extra passphrase and from that we do, we would derive this address okay and then uh, you would obviously if you validate this on on the hardware wallet 
uh, we could also we could still use that um, that passphrase uh, in order to show it on on the device itself. So you would still uh, the device would show it correctly uh, as as it belongs to it, uh, even though it's with with a passphrase. You you wouldn't know that. And then well, what could happen is that Spectre could just, uh, you would send the coins and then uh, you come to spend, and then you need a passphrase in order to spend. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you could ransom the user uh, for that. It, yeah, what so, I'm, what I'm yeah, trying to figure out is why the attacker can't move the coins because they would need it's a ransom attack yeah the attacker yeah, doesn't have the key the attacker doesn't have the private yeah, exactly key. exactly they, so they need them to put they in just the trick key. you they're just tricking you into a different passphrase a different 25th word yeah. right because that creates a whole new wallet so they know where it's located but they don't uh they don't actually have the key to spend it yeah in an but hd that, setup it's just in another xpub that they hide yeah. it in and then tricky to send to and mm -hmm. then they say hey if you want to move this uh you need to sign and I guess what I'm going to move it to an address I control. <laughs> well, like we'll 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 do a transaction. We'll do a transaction if you you know if you give me a portion of it. Yeah, is is the idea? It's theoretical. It never actually happened. Uh, but and it's kind of moot. The point here though is, both me and Ben have had people reach out asking, you know, why it's such a bitch to use the Treasure One on Spectre, and it's because you know the Treasure One is this old device. Um, that doesn't have, you know, a big screen or anything and you can't, it's really difficult. I, I don't think period you can't enter the passphrase on the device. No, um, no, you so, can't. This is, uh, so the solution no. there is to, you know, get a new wallet. Like you shouldn't use a wallet <laughs> that's from whenever Treasure One came out. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I don't think Treasure One is, is a good choice anymore. Yeah. There are, it's completely outdated in pretty much any way. Sorry, Trezor. Um, <laughs> but no, I think this could lead us to an interesting conversation. It's like, what do you think the future of hardware wallets are? Something like a do-it-yourself Spectre hardware wallet? Do you think that's the safest route? Um, um, yeah, so I think it's, it's uh, a lot about also, uh, or at least somewhat about uh, the regulations also. So if you will have uh, certain like stronger regulations on self-hosted wallets, then you would probably need more of the DIY uh, direction. Uh, if not, then maybe you'd uh, you'd have uh, large companies still uh, like Ledger or you know others in in the field still doing that. Uh, but I do think that it's going to more towards uh, first of all QR codes. Um, also from I I also think that it goes to like to larger screens probably. Uh, like Kobo also did, um, yeah, um, and obviously, uh, obviously also for air gapping, uh, so not connecting directly to to the machine. Yeah, we've I mean we've talked about QR codes before on this podcast, but I think we've glossed over it. I think it's probably a good refresher of why it makes sense to to transition to a communication system based on QR codes. Um, and, and how that's being standardized at the moment. Who is it? Chris, Christopher Allen and yeah, blockchain Allen commons work. Mm -hmm. uh, Christopher Allen is, is working on, on the standard. So, um, yeah, I, th I think he's, uh, he's kind of uh, leading that right now. Uh, so we, we are on it, uh, the, 
blue wallet guys I also recall uh, are also um, working on on supporting that stuff Kobo there I think also Sparrow wallet um, yeah and I think it's going towards that and um, we've so the nice thing is that uh, we have this uh, concept of animated QR codes uh, which is just really uh, makes it really convenient to, to scan large amounts of, of data. So, for example, I just I just wanted to test the limits uh, of, of the camera a few weeks ago. So I created uh, on RegTest some huge transaction of like a hundred outputs and I could scan it in like uh, a few, like in, in probably like 30 seconds, one minute maybe. Um, so it it just split it up into a lot of um, a lot of tiny um, pieces, and it just plays it uh, like like some GIF uh, on your screen, and your scan you can just scan it with uh, with your uh, hardware wallet. Uh, it, it's really it really feels uh, cool. Yeah, and it seems a lot safer too, because there, yeah. there is that there is that worry you have when you're especially on the smaller wallets, we can't read the whole address and you're just like not exactly comfortable with signing before you send or like copy and pasting addresses. Just being able to scan that QR code seems like um, from a user experience perspective, a way to, to add a lot more uh, confidence and certainty. I mean, I just want to push back here a little bit. Uh, I'm also bullish on QR codes, but I, I think, I, I don't think it's necessarily clear which one is, is, Object, if either is objectively better if SD card, which is the other method for air gap mm -hmm. uh, transactions for the partially signed Bitcoin transactions, the PSBTs, and that's what cold cards using right now versus QR codes. Um, you know, a couple things just on the opposite side that SD cards have going for them is they can carry more data. Um, that's why you need to do like the animated QR code thing to be able to. Yeah. Um, you know, transfer the necessary amount of data you want to do. And, and as we do more complex transactions here with different multi-sig setups, uh, that data is going to become more. Um, and then the other thing is you can, it's almost more transparent because you're literally dragging and dropping a file onto this SD card that you can like inspect the file. Uh, like if a human looks, when I look at a QR code, I have no idea what data is getting flashed in front of me in terms of like an animated QR code. Um, so at least it's like a little bit more readable in that respect. And then the third thing is you don't actually have to move your signing device. Um, so like, I feel like something that we kind of glossed over here on, on this pod so far, um, is that one of the cool parts about Spectre is that it's really easy to use and get set up, uh, with single SIG, with a single hardware wallet, whether that be Spectre DIY or whether that be cold card, um, a single hardware wallet. But then what's nice is without changing your software setup, you can easily create multi-sig wallets by just adding additional signers. So if you have a cold card, you can add a Spectre DIY. You can add, you know, maybe a blue wallet that, that's a signer as well, right? Because if they're using the same standard, you have an old phone and you add a blue wallet. Mm -hmm. And so you can have certain signers that are, are QR code based and you can have certain signers that are SD card based. And, and the combination of the two um, Become, it becomes very powerful because you stop having these certain central points of failure. And one thing that's been mentioned a lot with SD cards, just to bring us full back circle, is you can bring you can create a partially signed Bitcoin transaction on an SD card, 
and you don't actually have to bring your coordinator. So like in a Spectre setup, let's say your coordinator is running Spectre on your laptop and it's also running a prune node. Um, so it doesn't have that much uh, storage capacity needs and you're easily running a full node and you don't have to remotely connect to it. That's your coordinator. Let's say you have a signing device in some location that you need to go to. If, if you're using an SD card, you don't have to bring the computer with the node and the Spectre coordinator on it. You can just put the partially signed Bitcoin transaction on an SD card, bring it to the signer device, stick it in the signer device, let's say it's a cold card, press sign, and then take the micro SD back to wherever your coordinator is. So it gives you a different level of flexibility. So you mix, you mix the two, you mix three different methods together and you have some really cool shit. Mm-hmm. Can, could yeah. you print out the QR code too and bring it? Not if it's I animated. Mean, yeah, that's a good point. I think you could, but it'd probably be like somewhat complex. You could also just take take a, a video of that yeah. on, on your phone or something. And yeah. that would work too. And then we just you have uh, to take a video the, of the other uh, thing too. Yeah, and then you just film the device uh, after you, you sign. Uh, I, I personally did it, so I, I, yeah, so it's not ideal, but uh, it works. Yeah, it's pretty crazy what we're thinking about here. Does this stuff ever get abstracted away, you think? I okay. don't think it will completely get abstracted away because it just, yeah, if you want to complete ergap, then you, you can't really have that much convenience, I guess. Um, there's yeah. a limit to that, I guess. But you can make it a lot easier. That's what Spectre did, basically. Like yes, I think yes. personal We're responsibility. Yeah, personal responsibility will always be the more difficult option. But like Spectre makes it really, you know, really fucking easy. And and mm-hmm. and I want to go back kind of to like the prune node concept, um, because I think you know there there was plenty of platforms, including Electrum, that provided you, you an easy an easy way, a way to use your own node with your wallets if you had this dedicated node box that was running 24-7 um, at home or at your office. But what I noticed was a lot of people that travel a lot or don't have like a specific location, um, using their own node was basically untenable. There was no way for them to do it. You know, they, they didn't have a set place. They can just leave a node, uh, like a fully synced node, just always be able to access it via Tor. Um, so this idea that you can simply run like a prune node on a laptop with Spectre, um, less than 10 gigs of, of, of storage required, um, and you don't have to deal with remotely accessing anything. It's just all local. Like That's game changer, right? Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's really, really convenient, really easy. Uh, and prune nodes uh, in specific are also great for... Um, uh, for just setting up users, um, so what like something we had in Twitter, especially also discussing uh, in the last uh, few days, weeks, is this uh, idea of there's so there's course um, assume uh, UTXO project, uh, which is just a way to to bootstrap um, a, a full node from uh, from a certain point in time. So it's, it just starts with a certain UTXO set and continues from that. Um, so, but what we can already do today is to just take a snapshot of, of a node uh, that, you, that you have already, uh, of, of some node that you're running. Uh, we, uh, Stepan did it actually, he 
just post it on, on some website on prunednode.today, uh, something like that. And you can just download it and in, in a few minutes you have uh, a prune node uh, ready to go. And also, the, and then after you, you do that, you can either continue using that, you can do your uh, full uh, rescan in the background. So to, to do a full IBD in the background or something. Uh, but the, the important thing is that uh, in a few minutes, you, you're up and running with a full node. Um, which I think also is, is really great uh, for us as a user experience thing. Uh, so first of all, you have, so I, I think it just uh, kind of somewhere between a light client and, and full node uh, with, with, with way more advantages uh, than, than a light client. So it really reduces the requirements to just a few gigabytes and it really, uh, it can shorten the time to just a few minutes. Uh, and the advantages are, are quite massive. So uh, especially if you have uh, another, like after three, four days, uh, you finish a, a full regular IBD in the background and you're, um, you're a first class Bitcoin citizen. Yeah, I'm just looking for this tweet right now because this came, popped on my radar today because I randomly saw Mike Schmidt asking Stepan um, where, to, where to confirm. Yeah, the PGP key. Um, yeah, so all this stuff is fucking incredible. So you have this idea that you talked about on Twitter. I think this is the tweet Marty's talking about where the goal, I guess, um, mm -hmm. instead of going the light client route is you can simplify it even further, right? So right now you yeah. have to, to do that process. You have to install core. Then you have to download this file from Stepon. You should technically PGP verify it, which pretty much no users do. Um, and then... Um, you'd have to manually replace the Bitcoin folder in on you know on your computer, which it might mm -hmm. be uh, it adds another step. It, it adds another yes, step that yeah. is is a little bit complicated for users. And you mentioned this idea that you could package Core directly into Spectre, so you just download this one app, and then when when you load, it prompts, and you get to choose. I guess I guess the default would be just to this prune mode, to this semi-trusted prune mode with IBD in the background. They get ready to go in like four minutes, and advanced users can do differently. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So I hope in in to have the time to work on that. So the, the thing is just to to add like a small wizard on on lunch, uh, which just lets you choose between using your own remote node like uh, like right now, or set up a new full node, uh, a prune node, or a trusted semi-trusted prune node, uh, which would probably be the default option. Uh, and then just Spectre will just download everything in the background, the signature check in the background, uh, everything, just everything, and open up your, your full node, your Spectre, uh, everything in a few minutes, uh, if you have a, some good internet connection. And yeah, and then you're ready to go. Um, and in a few days, you finish IBD also. Um, and yeah, you're ready to go instead of using like a, a much more trusted and much less privacy preserving light client. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned assume is assume UTXO possible to toggle on now? Is that still what's the status? I need to talk to James about this. I haven't talked to him in a while about assume UTXO.
Sorry, I didn't catch the last sentence. I said, well, what's the status of Assume UTXO? Oh. You brought that up. Um, um, yeah, so I looked, uh, I'm not really sure what's, what's the status right now, actually. I think it's like under work, but uh, it will probably take some time, uh, you know, as, as everything in core takes time. Uh, I think they are, they are, they will go with, with the idea, but I don't really remember what's the status, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you don't even need a Zoom UTXO, though, to like get basically the same end result, right? With this trust. Yes, so idea, right? the only difference is the trust between trusting uh, Spectre and Stepan or, or trusting the core devs. Uh, so if you're doing this, for, oh, and obviously to have it in the core um, uh, code, so it will be More nicer. Standardized, yeah. Yes, and standardized. So it will be nicer, obviously, uh, with with Assume UTXO, but you essentially achieve the same thing with uh, with doing it uh, this way with uh, with some Spectre wizard. Yeah, so you're just attesting that the the state of the blockchain was this at a certain block height and new users have to trust that that signature is truthful and that state is truthful mm -hmm. yeah until ibd happens though yes yeah yeah so IBD happens to get the background up and running right away yeah and and um, and it's even less trust if it's a brand new wallet right this only yeah. really works i guess for brand new wallets anyway uh, like um, so not exactly. You can, use, uh, you can use even an old wallet uh, with, uh, with just... Uh, so we have this concept inspector that uh, you can either do a full rescan and then it will rescan through the whole blockchain or you can just, uh, if you're importing a wallet, you can just do a UTXO rescan. So what it does, this just looks for, uh, for the funds existing in the wallet. So it won't give you the full history, just your current UTXOs. Uh, essentially, what it does, it just scans the UTXO set, which even prune nodes have, uh, and then uh, in, in case it's it's prune node, if you have this uh, the block which the UTXO is at, uh, if you didn't prune it yet, then great, we don't need anything else. Uh, if you already threw it away with the, with the pruning, so we will need the block data from uh, somewhere, so we query it from uh, a uh, block explorer, uh, which which the user can can do, I uh, can select. I can use use Tor with that, uh, so it's less uh, privacy problematic. So it's less great, but it it still works even for for old wallets. Okay, sweet. Now it's crazy to see all this stuff come together and to be able to do this without having to get pushed into court too, which brings up like an interesting conversation of like who to trust, trust trade-offs and, and all that stuff, which is, um, which is interesting to see the free market sort of route around the core process just to, and, and users obviously trust it to a certain extent. Um, what people don't talk about that much would, that often. To be clear for like a polished end user interface coordinator that Spectre is, uh, wallet, if you will, it relies on core more than pretty much any other, you know, yeah. user-friendly tool. One of the like the cool part to me almost is 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 the opposite. There is that is that you're able to use something that's polished uh, that has good UX, but that for 
most of the heavy lifting is just happening core in the background. Like you literally, when you use it, um, there's a watch only wallet in core that if you open up Bitcoin core, like it'll show your balances directly in Bitcoin core. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it will show the balances, the labels. So we use core uh, when we can. Uh, basically, it's, it, the, the functionality in core itself is just so amazing. They have amazing functionality. The code is really well tested, but the, the UI is, is obviously not that great. And integrating hardware wallets between multisig, all this is, is just a pain with core. But the essential infrastructure for doing all that is already there. Uh, so with Spectre, you, you, we are just taking advantage of, of all these great uh, features which Core already has. Um, yeah. yeah. And they don't they don't prioritize UI <laughs> at Bitcoin Core. So give it let let the market take it and run and put a UI yeah, on yeah. top of it and just plug in. Yeah, I think it's a good decision on not to prioritize UI on Core. Um, I don't think this is something which which should really. Uh, take a priority uh, when when cores should more focus on on the consensus code. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's cool I mean, that you guys are just taking the ball and running with it. And so you guys are a small team, putting out some dope software. You're moving fast, releasing things. What what do you guys have planned in the in the future? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're yeah we're. A sp- Pretty small team, so there's me, um, Kim, Stepan, and Moritz, um, and we're probably the. So right now we hope to uh, we're basically getting prepared to release the version one of Spectre. Uh, we're just doing a few finishes, adding a new uh, testing framework, and then probably still uh, by the end of the month we'll release that. Um, after that, we we're still looking into some stuff. So, uh, I would really like to do this uh, core wizard for for setting up the node. Uh, we will probably also look into some um, uh, maybe collaborative custody or something. Uh, so there are a lot of a lot of options, I guess, uh, and we 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 will still see. But there's so many stuff to to work on, and we're, since we're such a small team, there is always more work uh, and stuff to do than uh, capacity so we, we will always uh, we'll see how can people help you guys out what are you looking <laughs> for or um yeah so first of all just feedback is always great it's always very helpful for for improving uh we have uh the um we have this uh the donation website uh for for spectre um we have uh Telegram group or Twitter where people can just reach out with questions, feedback. Uh, this is this is always actually really helpful. Um, and yeah, that's uh, and obviously if somebody is, is a developer, a designer, um, good with documentation, whatever, then this is always always the best. Um, it's really it would be really useful to have more eyes on the code. Um, more uh, hands with it. Um, some people looking at uh, design, everything like that would be really awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy how how much a small team like the one around Spectre Wallet can can push out. And like you said, like we mentioned, like you tweeted out what Matt set the challenge to what user friendly <laughs> multi sig in six yeah. months. When was that in June? 
and then you responded in, in September, and here we are in December. Matt, <laughs> is it up to snuff with your your threshold for free user friendly multi sig UX? Dude, it just keeps getting better. It keeps getting better. I'm extremely bullish on Spectre. Um, I mean that even when I you know I was a little bit cheating when I said the comment. I uh, my my if I was going to be a betting man, I was betting on it being Spectre core combination. Um, but, uh, I mean, even if you go back, like, you know, when, when we had like our Lily episode or whatever, like you heard me in like the background, I was like, oh, I'm just waiting for Spectre to drop. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think we can make it easier. I think a lot of it's on the hardware wallet manufacturers as well, right? Because the cool part with, uh, multi-sig is that you can do... You know, it's 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 multi, your multi-sig is as, only as good as what signing devices you bring to the table, and what your signing policy is. You know, if you're going to do a three of five, or you're going to do um, a three of seven, or a five of seven, or two of three, um, and with Taproot, that should you know make that more tenable too to do uh, to do different combinations, both privacy-wise and cost-wise. Um, because otherwise you don't want to pre-taproot. You don't want to stick out if, if you do like if, if basically if you do a multi-sig that's not two of three or three of five, um, you're very visible on chain. Even if you do one, you're hurting your privacy right now using multi-sig because the the total pool of multi-sig users is fucking abysmal. Um, so yeah, so these are things that are out of Spectre's control. But besides that, they made the UX really fucking nice. I'm really looking forward to these prune node ideas. I think that's a game changer in terms of UX. Um, I mean, I made my own guide for using Spectre, uh, which the freaks can find at werunbitcoin.com. But you could cut off like, like just in the ideas that Ben has talked about in this podcast, you can cut off like 12 of the 20 steps or 30 steps. Like you can cut off like half the guide if you just make it so core is built in, um, that it's automatically verifying updates and shit. Um, like you can, these little, these little things, they might not seem like much to an advanced user, but if we, if all of a sudden we went from the easiest thing for a new user is a phone wallet, pretend, you know, a mobile wallet historically to this being well within reach, I think of most users, I don't think it's like that crazy to ex expect like a Peter McCormick to use, uh, <laughs> to use hey, Spectre, hey. especially if, if he gets core bundled in, you get core bundled in and all he has to do is install Spectre. Like that's fucking huge. Hey, installing core is hard enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we, when, when we get that, then probably that, that would be, that should make it really as, as easy as using uh, the manufacturers uh, program. So if you can use a Trezor with Trezor's uh, software, then you could probably use it with Spectre too. And I think this is really awesome. Uh, I probably should uh, try to, to go through for your guide and see which, which steps I could try to cut off. That would probably be a good idea too. Always always looking to, to make everything more efficient. This guide is pretty... I just pulled it up too. It's pretty. It's not that long either. It's only 20... That's what I'm saying. It's already easy, but we could cut steps. off... 25 steps. Yeah, we could cut off... Easy cut off 10 steps right there. I mean, just the whole section that's install Bitcoin Core. You could just cut. You could just slice, slash that whole thing off. 
Yeah, and a lot of these steps are just setting up the hardware wallet. That too. Yeah. Looking that up. Um, yeah, stuff's fascinating. So, Ben, like, what else? Like, outside of Spectre, what are you looking at at Bitcoin? Obviously, we mentioned Taproot. Mm-hmm. Are you in... Yeah. Are you in this for the tech? Are you in this for the revolution or both? Obviously both. So yeah, I think I think obviously working on Spectre is really awesome. Uh, but um, I was uh, focusing a lot before that. I was focusing a lot also on, on writing about the, the economics of it. Uh, I think Bitcoin is just it's fascinating, and yeah, and I think the the impact that that it can have is obviously it's huge. Um, I, I would say that, uh, for, uh, for between like the, the technology is, is obviously super interesting with, with Taproot and everything. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, but I'm really excited also in terms of what the next few years will, uh, will bring with them in terms of, uh, actual impact on, uh, on let's call it macro political trends in the more uh, sovereign individual book way. So I think the, the difference that it could make for um, like for people who really need censorship resistant money is very interesting to see. Um, so I, I'm really excited to see how that will play out in the next few years. Yeah, how do you how do you think it plays out? Where, what is uh, your vision of the future for this? You think we have big battles in front of us? Obviously, we've been talking about potential, um, what's it called, self-hosted wallet bans here in the United States. Um, yeah. I, I hardly see that in the United States. Maybe, maybe in the United States, but probably in, in a few parts of Europe, we are already seeing that too. Uh, there's not much to talk about uh, with, with China or other, a lot of nations are already uh, there's not much to talk about even with with hopes that it will be uh, something legal um but yeah i just think uh, that i think bitcoin can obviously survive that and people will still use that um but it will be really really fascinating to see that in action um to see uh that states are trying to ban it and and lose the battle this would be like uh watching that would be amazing yeah what's the uh climate around bitcoin regulation like in israel right now pretty laissez-faire right uh it's kind of positive so it's quite heavily taxed but there's there are no talks about banning it or banning stuff self-hosted wallets or whatever uh so i I think it's kind of as long as we can tax it, then we we, we don't really care about this magic internet money of of yours. Yeah, well, if it's taxed heavily, incentivizing hodling. Thank you, Israeli government. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Is, it is this. It'll be interesting to see like, again. Just keep it on the current topic of uh, self-hosted. While it's potentially Can we stop using their terminology, please. <laughs> I love. I, no, I'm, we're using it in a joking manner. I know, Matt. but it doesn't even. It confuses me, so I feel like it confuses the listener because self-hosted, like, really should be like use your own node, right? I guess, like, if you're going to even go self-hosted, like most people, they want to ban 
hosted wallets, wallets that are self-custody. Yeah. Right? Like, you you can control your keys, but you're not running your own node. They want to ban this nodes, is, too. This is where yeah. we're going to trip them up. This is where we're going to trip them up, Matt. <laughs> well, the point I was trying to get to it is the, the whole jurisdictional arbitrage game that's starting to play out is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, you mentioned, like, Israel and U.S. are pretty tight allies. Like, why... Like, I don't know why we would do this right now. It doesn't make any sense to me. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I think for, like, I, I think a lot of people will obviously start start even to move from that. Uh, I think there will be, uh, well, as, as nation states try to ban it, then probably quite a few Bitcoiners will go to, to the best jurisdictions. Um, yeah, that's... Personally, I'm looking to to move to a more uh, Bitcoin-friendly jurisdiction, uh, and it's always it's always nice to see uh, that that others think the same, do the same. Yeah, where's your Citadel gonna be? <laughs> um, I'm still not sure. So maybe Portugal, maybe I don't know. We'll see. That was a trick question. You never you never reveal where your Citadel is gonna be. Yeah, you only you only say like the fourth choice. Make it a little yeah, yeah. Uh, but I have most of the world, uh, most of the free world, whatever is still free for me, this as my choice. Wherever there's uh, less, the least regulation at the time, I'll probably go there. It is crazy to think about though. So, like this morning, I wrote about Drew Bunsalves. I read it, Matt. I know you didn't let us talk about it last night because we didn't read it. Is <laughs> um, uh, Bitcoin astronomy part two. And the one thing I love about Dhruv in his astronomy series particularly is that it just paints like the potential that Bitcoin enables for humanity to strive for. for. In part two, talking about the Kadashev um, cycles, like taking us from type one to type two, well, take us, taking us from between zero, type zero and type one first, and then up the scale it's so crazy when we're sitting here talking about these stupid regulations um, and we're not allowed to focus on like what Bitcoin enables and how far it can take humanity. Like imagine what we could do in our lifetimes. Like I think this will eventually happen uh, at some point, but imagine if we were just able to run with this without any handcuffs. I'm just ranting now. Now the more we help, the more it helps to to defend the state, to defend um, mass mass war, mass surveillance, everything. Uh, the more it, def- it defends the states and help people get control over resources, the better humanity will develop. Yeah, that's why Matt last night like <laughs> the dichotomy of of being pissed off about the potential self host ban um, and the uh number go up headlines like mass mutual dumping 100 million and now we got michael saylor buying 550 million more that liquidity is necessary to help us get to the point where we want to fight the state effectively so it's like you have this yin and yang of like the crazy cypherpunks and all the people with all the money i mean it's frustrating right like it's super frustrating that 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 progress will be way slower just because you know, it's being actively limited and fought against. Um, and and anyone who's trying to launch a company in this space, regardless of the jurisdiction they're in, is just constantly thinking in the back of their head, like, at any moment, 
my own government can just, you know, make my life fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's why we have Bitcoin in the first place, because exactly. we I mean that's that's the original purpose of Bitcoin to prevent from the state from being able to turn the life of everybody miserable. So yeah, yeah that, that's a fight worth fighting. Give peace a chance, you <laughs> evil governments. Uh, freedom a chance. If only. If only. Uh, what else is going on? We got to wrap up here soon. So I got to hop on a call. But um, I want to know your thoughts on Lightning. Ooh, I like that question. Yeah. Yeah. Lightning, I think it's quite promising. It's really, really nice to, to play with, obviously. Uh, but it's still. Uh, at least in my opinion, it's still not, not there um, in terms I well, it's so instant transactions right now, uh, it's not that critical as long as fees are, are still low. Um, and for now, I mean, I mean, probably in, in a year or two, if we get like a crazy bull market or something, then it will probably be a really big deal. Uh, but until we get something uh, which really necessitates people to, to use Lightning, I don't find it that uh, that urgent or anything, I'd say. So obviously it's very interesting to, to play with, very interesting technology and very important as, as infrastructure for, for the probably very near future. Uh, but we're, it's still not at the point where we really need to use it right now, I guess. Hey, you got to hop in our Sphinx tribe, all right? <laughs> Start using it every day. Well, I agree. There's no urgency to get, like, the instant transaction settlement, low-fee transactions immediately. It is pretty cool what it's enabling, particularly in the Sphinx app really and other cool. things. Yeah, other yeah things it's like pretty the cool. Uh, I think it's just it doesn't seem so I don't uh, myself spend a lot of time on that because I don't find it, like, a very big priority uh, for yeah. Bitcoin right now, to be honest. But I really, it's obviously, it's really, it's really super cool. I'm excited every time I see a transaction going through in, in Lightning in a few seconds. I'm like, whoa, this is super cool. Uh, but it just, it's more like until that the fees really justify it, it's kind of more like playing and getting ready, kind of. It's not the yeah. big time yet. Yeah, no, I agree. You have to prioritize accordingly. And I think what you're working on is a very high priority. The UX around custody is, is very important, something that's been knocked on all of um, Bitcoin's history. That's actually one thing I wonder like about Lightning, too, is like it's something that could be potentially too early, um, which is why I like to see apps like Sphinx and the gaming stuff pop up because it is fun to play with those. It is useful. Um, but again, like, yeah, in terms of priority and urgency, um, I think it falls further down the list, which is, it's okay. I mean, it's okay to admit that, right? Okay. It's really okay. And it's really, really cool. And I think in a few years, we'll probably have much more of that and it will be even more awesome. Uh, but yeah, it just comes to, to priorities and to the, like what's uh, best to, to, to do now or to get, uh, to get done right now. Yes. Well, thank you for for working on a high priority issue. Um, 
Yeah, thank you for that. Do you have fun? Mm-hmm. Sorry? Do you have fun doing it? Yeah, obviously. Uh, I'm, I'm only doing this <laughs> for fun. I've been doing this for like since uh, since March, uh, and it's really just for fun. So I do this on, on my free time uh, as uh, an open source developer. Uh, so obviously I wouldn't do this if, if it wasn't really, really fun to do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm really, it's, it's a hell of a journey and it's really great. I'm glad you're having fun. This is all fun. This is all good fun. Matt, are you having fun? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to one day meeting Ben in person. I'm uh, as well. You know, it's, when are we, we going to make this happen, you, Ben? I'm honored that you listened to the show, and uh, I appreciate your fucking work tremendously. And uh, I, also, I also think it's very unique um, that you're both a talented dev and a very effective Twitter shit poster. On Bitcoin Twitter. <laughs> so it's an honor to be by your side. You are a very good yeah. Twitter shit poster. Yeah, I try. I guess it's maybe it's because I'm much younger than most other developers, so I'm more into this <laughs> uh, shit posting stuff. But yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Not to put you on the spot, but how old are you, Ben? Oh, uh, I'm. I'm soon going to be twenty. Really soon. Oh my God! You're only nineteen. Yeah, yes. I'm, I didn't, I'm I didn't really even realize this. And always, uh, it always shocks me when I have somebody on the podcast who's younger than my sister because I still view her as like a, <laughs> like a, like a kid. And it's like, oh my god, nineteen. So you're a zoomer. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you on TikTok? No, no. All right, good. You're fighting the good fight. We need, we need, we need inside zoomers to fight the the TikTok battle. Yes, yes, you need inside zoomers. I'm, I'm definitely not one of them. Um, I really don't understand this TikTok thing. Do you have faith in your fellow zoomers? Uh, some, but not enough. Not, not enough. enough. I mean, not enough because so many of them use this TikTok bullshit thing, and I'm, I'm disappointed with that. All the, uh, all the but, generations have that shit. Don't yeah. Like- a little advice for me, don't let anyone ever talk shit about your generation. You're only allowed yeah, to talk true. shit about your generation within your generation. <laughs> millennials can talk shit about millennials, um, but if if a Zoomer said something about it or a Boomer said something about millennials, I would just tell them to go fuck off. And I, I, I just think, <laughs> I think I'm I'm very bullish on our Bitcoin Zoomers. I think we have a uh, on we have the a good class yeah. there. I am as well. I didn't. I didn't pass any judgment. I just asked about TikTok and asked. I know it was a self-inflicted what, wound. You asked him about his generation. He he, you know, he negged them. Yeah. No. The Bitcoin Zoomers are awesome. Obviously. Yeah. Shout out to all of our Bitcoin Zoomers out there. I hope we're not grouchy millennials uh, <laughs> in your eyes. Old men. Old men. <laughs> hey, I'm still clinging onto my twenties. <laughs> Um, Ben, thank you for your time. I know it's getting late where you are. Uh, I don't want to ruin your Friday night. Yeah, uh, I, anyway, everything is closed with, with this oof. all the situation, so there's nothing really to do anyway. I'm curious about that. What's the situation like over there right now? 
Um, right now, well, so right now there are just general limitations. I think they're finishing reopening and getting back to closing stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm, it's really hard even to follow anymore, to be honest. It's crazy. Every So there was supposed to be a nighttime curfew, and I think they canceled it in, like, in the last minute, like a few hours before it started or something. <laughs> And it's 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 a mess. We'll probably have like in a few weeks another full lockdown, but it's it's a complete mess. So I it's hard to 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 follow it. And but I I like to stay and code and stuff anyway. So that's fine. Well, yeah, it's crazy. It's mad. Hopefully this madness ends soon. Yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sick of it. We're going on a year. We're going on a fucking year. We're going to be like a year locked down. What happened to two weeks? <laughs> we don't have to turn this into a COVID podcast. People get angry when we do that. Well, at least we got Bitcoin. That's true. Yeah. For now. At <laughs> least. <laughs> uh, ben, thank you for your time. Thank you for your work. When I echo what Matt said, really appreciate what you're working on. Uh, it's an important problem that is making... Bitcoiners lives better and it's crazy that you're 19 and contributing in this fashion um, blows my mind I wish I was uh, as productive as you were at that age Matt do you have anything you want to wrap it up with appreciate you dude if you ever need anything don't hesitate to reach out yeah and thank you uh, and thank you for uh, shitting on Ralph Paul for me last night um, one of the best shit posters in the game yeah yeah yeah, yeah your brain on fiat's not well hey Ralph <laughs> I will offer an olive branch but like I'm not like you just can't like pretend like you're trying to educate people this is like the I discovered Bitcoin and I'm here to fix it like type thing it's, uh, <laughs> it's seen it's it too the, many times before 2016-17 blockchain hype bullshit all over again just with much bigger players I guess yeah it's funny how the cycle repeats itself it's inevitable we need to resign ourselves to that fact it's inevitable that the cycle repeats yeah i i think so it seems like it because i i remember how how i saw like the the uh the bitcoin maxes uh that we have here in israel when i just started so 2016 2017 i remember talking with uh with udi with other maximalists here uh, and i was like no this is blockchain technology it's going to make it different <laughs> And then I finding myself right now in their position, talking to somebody who's just joining like a few months ago and trying to explain them, no, focus on Bitcoin. So I, I guess I, I now understand them. And so if I understand them and then I'm experiencing it too, then it's probably an inevitable cycle for now. Yeah, but Raul doesn't get a pass because he's been here for a fucking while. No, he's been here for a fucking while and he's making money from selling shit coins to, to people so i'm educating people. he's educating people he's not selling them he's educating yeah he's educating them for a small subscription fee and uh i don't know what whatever he gets from ripple or whatever other shit coins if he gets anything i wouldn't be surprised um especially from ripple those scammers uh that's all we got freaks we got to end it. Unfortunately, I have to go to a call. We can sit here for hours. Ben, as Matt said, I can't wait till we can meet in person. Uh, I'll buy you an illegal beer, likely <laughs> illegal depending 
depending on where we are. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't, yeah. hopefully it doesn't take two illegal years. It's illegal yet, right? So well, the drinking age is, is, is 18. It's and 21, it's right? Or, oh, is it? No, in, 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 uh, in, in the, the US, what is it? Oh, it's 21. It's 21. Yeah, so yeah. 21. Yeah, but in Israel, it's, it's 18. Everywhere in Europe, I think also it's 18. So, yeah. Well, they, they recruit you to the army in 18 here. So you are, uh, if you're holding a gun, you can probably hold a beer. So yeah, not the case here. They, they, they recruit you at 18. In the US? No, it's 18 yeah. for the army, but, but what? 21 for yeah. drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, okay, 16, it's, six, it's 16 to go to jail as an adult. Yeah. Just to fuck yeah, with We'll ask backwards here in the land of the free. (laughs) Um, Ben, thank you. Matt, thank you. I hope you two gentlemen enjoyed the rest of your Friday. That's all we got this week, freaks. It was awesome. Thanks for inviting me. It was great. Hey, can't wait to have you back again. Peace and love, freaks.